guys and welcome to another episode of the Denby North Dressard podcasts. Um, I know it's been a really, really long time since I recorded and uploaded the first one. I think it must be three, maybe even four months now. I have just been really, really busy. I've not had very many ideas. Every time I've recorded one, I've listened to it back and I've just hated it. So I've deleted it. Um, I to be honest, I think I don't like them because I don't like listening to myself talk. I don't listen like the sound of my own voice, but not many people do. So, I think I just need to crack on, just record them, and yeah, I just need to record them and put them out there, and just go for it basically because I feel like I've got things to share and things I want to tell you all and. Just things that I think might help everybody in the ways of hearing things from the point of view of the, of another work, like working amateur rider rather than just things from a professional riders that you see on your social media all the time. So yeah, I just thought I'd... I just need to get on with it and just do the things and record the things I want to record and just share them with everybody. So that leads quite nicely into today's episode, which is about going it alone. So I mean that in a sense of having to carry out and pursue the equestrian dream whether it's dressage eventing show jumping whatever it is you do following your equestrian dream and doing it all alone so whether that is financially supporting yourself um having not a lot of support from friends or family and basically all the things that come with that and some of the things that I've done or how I deal with them and yeah just basically all the things that come with being a amateur rider trying to make a career and a profession out of in my case dressage so for quite a lot of people um they don't have the financial support from others whether it be financial support from parents or financial support from um owners of horses so then there's obviously that you save that sometimes incredibly large amount of money not having to buy a horse yourself um not or having sponsorship or not having sponsorship in this case and basically everything you do and everything to do with your horses you pay for yourself with your own money from your nine to five or whatever job you work whatever job you do um and obviously having financial support is really really useful and because horses are like horses are really expensive whether it's the actual buying of the horse which can be really expensive 
or the day-to-day keeping of a horse, which at the time you think, oh, well, it's not, it's not that bad. And actually, if you sit down and add up the amount of money you spend on your horse in a month, and I have done it before, it sometimes makes you want to cry. Because you realise quite how much money it does cost you to fulfil and chase your dream. It's a really expensive dream. Um, and basically, I don't have any like pro money saving tips for horses costing you less. Because they are as expensive as they are. Things cost as much as they cost. They need to eat. They need to have bedding if they're stabled. There are... There's no negotiable things, really, when it comes to horses. Other than buying them new tack or numbers or saddle pads or whatever. Those sort of things are negotiable. But food, the shoes, the jabs... None of that's negotiable. And obviously, livery costs as well, they are not negotiable unless you're fortunate enough to be able to have your horses at home or you are fortunate enough to be based on a professional yard. That is something that I think is hugely beneficial for many amateur riders is if they are able to be based on a professional yard. I was fortunate enough to work on a professional yard only for a very short period, a few months or so, um, because unfortunately I had to give up the position because my health deteriorated and I was unable to carry out the the actual, the physical work, like the mucking out of however many stables and that I was unable to obtain, sustain, sorry, that level of physical work because of my health um but being based on a professional yard is just so beneficial because not only have you got if you're allowed to take a horse there not only have you got that professional there all the time when you're riding and you can have lessons with them or if you're just riding and they walk past the arena they will probably give you a just be like oh try this oh try this and yeah, it's just so beneficial to have access to the sort of training and the sort of support you get from being on a professional yard. And not only that, is you're fully submersed in the life and you're fully submersed in the environment. And there's so many benefits from being in the lifestyle because you meet new people, you meet people that could help advance your career and... Yeah, it's just really, really beneficial. But for quite a lot of people, like myself, unfortunately working on a professional yard is full-time isn't feasible, whether it be financially or for your health or whatever reason, working on a professional yard isn't always possible. And that's another thing that comes into play is, as well as obviously financially, because generally if you work on a professional yard, part of your wages will be having your horse on site. So like I said, then that obviously, if that's not a possibility and you're not fortunate enough to have your horses at home, 
you've then got the additional cost of being on livery yard and then the additional cost on top of that of coaching and having lessons um whereas quite obviously your top riders who are based on yards of other top riders have access to help all day every day whenever they need it but not everybody is fortunate to be able to have that not everybody's even fortunate enough to have lessons every week some sometimes you just can't afford to have a lesson you might only have a lesson once a month or once every other week or something because lessons with and coaching with the people that are at the top of their game it's not cheap it's never going to be cheap because they are imparting really really valuable knowledge on you and it's knowledge that you need because it doesn't matter how good of a rider you are and to what level you ride at there will always be somebody on the ground that can see something slightly different to you or give you a slightly different a bit of advice something you've not thought about doing yourself and it's just massively beneficial and not everybody is able to have lessons very regularly I don't I'm not able to have lessons as regularly as I'd like them and what I do or what I'm doing to aid with that is as I'm as well as working full time I'm also building up my own business and any spare money per se that I have from my business I will save and put in my lesson fund so I've got specific things that I spend my money that I make from my personal business on so whether it's a paying off a credit card debt or um what other things do I oh and obviously putting money back into the actual business if I've got any spare money or wages for myself that gets put into a little pot for lessons and other various different things that normally I wouldn't be able to afford just off my standard wages so that's how I put towards that obviously not everybody again has the time or the facility to make other money other than their normal job because people are really busy life's really life is really busy and there is a lot of time constraints with not with just obviously working and having a job but having horses is also quite restricted on your time because even if I'm being super super quick at the yard and I'm just going, putting the horse out in the morning, feeding it in the evening, mucking out, bringing the horse in, feeding it. That can take me, a, like, a day at the yard without riding can take me anywhere between 45 minutes to two hours. It completely depends on the day and you can't... It's very difficult to plan around having a horse or doing a horse if you're 
say, working a nine-to-five, and then you've got to go and do another set of shift work at, say, seven o'clock, because then you've got a very short window to be able to get everything done that you have to do while not being late for work or, yeah. The time is a really hard one with horses and it's something my mum's always said to me since I started riding. Was all oh, these blooming horses, they take up so much time, there's nothing quick about horses. And I would say, oh, no, it's fine, it's not that bad. But when you actually add up the amount of time you spend just doing everything that doesn't even involve getting to touch your horse, it's really, really restrictive on time. Really restrictive. And that is another big one for people. If they're really busy or they've got multiple jobs or a family or so many different things really putting as much time and as much of yourself into your dream into your horses can be really really difficult obviously I'm lucky enough that I am as young as I am and I don't have a family obviously I have yes a nine-to-five but I'm also building up my own business so I can work my clients around when I want them to be rather than having to work myself around to lots of shift work. And that's so much easier, being able to do things like that rather than have to work to other people. But it's still really, it can be really restrictive. But... Yeah, I think as long as you're... What I always try and do, I try and be as disciplined as I possibly can when it comes to being at the yard. If I'm busy or I've got lots of things to do or whatever, I will either... When I get on the yard, if there's other people there with me, I will be like, oh, hi, how are you? Have a chat and be like, I'm really sorry, I'd love to talk, but I'm really, really busy. I've got to be xyz by this time so i will talk to you later or i'll message you later or i will see you tomorrow or if there is nobody on the yard what i tend to do is as soon as i'm on the yard i will get my phone out plug my headphones in and either listen to the radio some music or an audiobook or a podcast so once i've got my headphones in i am in the zone and i always get things done a damn sight quicker once I've got my headphones in than when I haven't got my headphones in and that will be the day that I get the horse finished and I'm off the yard in 45 minutes rather than the day where I spend two hours and I think oh my god all I've done is muck out one stable like the couple of days ago I was very busy had a very busy evening I managed to get to the yard muck out three stables do five lots of hay, make three feeds and get three horses, four horses in, in 45, 50 minutes. Because I knew I had somewhere to be, I had an appointment and I just got tunnel vision and just pushed through. So I know that when I'm in the zone, I can get things done really, really quickly because I'm there, I'm in the zone and know what I'm doing. So 
for me, it's maybe not always be the same for other people because obviously everyone's situation is different, everyone's life is different. Getting in the zone and shutting out the rest of the world, basically, reduces the time issue that horses can cause and makes mucking out, poo-picking and everything else a much quicker job than it ever seems like it would be. Um, And obviously that's another thing as well, is the actual physical doing everything yourself. So for, obviously for quite a lot of people, whether based on a professional yard or whatever, some people are fortunate enough to have people they employ to do all the actual physical work with their horses or are fortunate enough to be able to pay somebody to do the mucking out, the poo picking and all the physically strenuous jobs. Um, And obviously some people are not. And that's another thing that can put, that can be quite difficult about doing it all on your own is that if your finances are quite tight or you have a very strict budget that you adhere to um you don't ever get a day off um horses don't give you a day off if you can't if you are not able to or are not in a position where you can pay somebody to look after your horse for you horse you don't get a day off from horses it's a lot of really hard physical work so I've got two horses technically two and a half because I've just put a deposit down on a little colt um so but he's still with mum so I don't have him at the moment so fortunately only one of mine is stabled the other one lives out 24 7 they're both in different places as well um and the yard that my gelding is at is everything is super super easy there um he's got an automatic trough in his stable so i don't have to worry about filling his water up every day um and although it doesn't seem like a big job it saves me five minutes every day of filling up some buckets and taking them to his stable. I will clean it out once a week, but it's five minutes I save every day because he's got an automatic trough. It's just he's a lifesaver. Um, what else do we have? Oh, and we have a because my field that I'm in now is the furthest one away, there's a big heard of them in a massive 10 acre field at the moment we have our own muck heap in that field which will either compost down in that field and be spread or will get taken to the main muck heap I'm not sure so we literally poo pick in the field have a specific place that we put it so we don't have to bring it all the way back up the track and back every day which is super, super useful. The muck heap is not even 30 seconds away from the stable block, which is makes things so much easier. You don't have to walk for 
a minute or so and as it's all lots of little things although it's not they don't seem like big things or a lot of time saving when you put it all together it is actually saves you quite a bit of time um and Rob doesn't have a hay net he has his hay in a hay bar so that's easy peasy as well I don't have to mess around with filling hay nets up but that's purely because he eats a lot and there is no point in putting it all in a hay net because if he wants to eat it all he'll eat it all if he doesn't want to he won't so that's just personal preference for me and yeah it's just such an easy everything's very easy and expertly placed and yeah it's just a really really good yard whereas my mare field that she's in she's in quite a big field um so I have sectioned it off in quarters so I have just the one muck heap at the top of the field so it doesn't matter what part of the field she's in I have to bring it back up to the very top of the field which is up a hill um she hasn't got running water into the trough in the field as of yet so I have to carry water to and from the field every day which again doesn't take a long time it's not particularly strenuous it's not a particularly lengthy process but it's still a couple of minutes added on that I could save every day um yeah so they're both quite different situations but they both work quite well and the where they are in my sort of my daily drive I do one follows on from the other so I don't have to go out my way to go to one and yeah it's just it's it's all very simple I've made sure that things are as easy as possible for me and in a sense of like all of my feeds are made up so Rob has two buckets and he get I make up dinner and breakfast. Rob um, Fleur has four buckets. So she I make up two dinners, two breakfasts and I always do that in the evening because the mornings are working times for the horses. So food is always made in the evening, mucking out is always done in the evening. Um yeah just because it's when I have the most time so that's something else that I do to make things easier what I ideally want to be able to do eventually is on a Sunday I think yeah probably on a Sunday I want to be able to make up feeds for the week and sort out hay for the week so during the during the week everything's really really easy I just pick something up and it's ready to go and I'm done because my weeks can be really busy so there's just little there is a lot of little things that you can do to make the fact that you do everything alone and that lack of physical support is just it's minimized and you think oh well it doesn't matter and the other thing that's quite a big thing I've found anyway is having 
unsupportive is not the right word, but it's having friends or family that are not as supportive as you would like them to be. So whether that is a friend or parent who reaffirms to you on a regular occasion that they don't think you are competent or you're not capable or you're wasting your time or whether it be friends or family that will not they don't do it on be friends or family that are to say that they're willing to help and they want to help and then when it actually comes to you being in a desperate situation um they don't appear to be there or don't appear to be willing to help so with when it comes to the people that actively tell you that you're not competent you're not capable you're not good enough etc 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 you basically as hard as it might be you need to either sit down with them and say don't do this I don't like this this is really unkind this is really unpleasant or just get rid of them out of your life and if you can't do either of those things because say they're either either even if they're just a friend that you know through work and obviously you can't voice your opinion because you have to work with that person every day or it's a family member that you can't have that sort of conversation with because you don't know how they'll react or what they'll say or what they'll do you just need to try and ignore it um and because it's much easier to do things on your own when you've got a group of supportive friends and a group of supportive family around you rather than a nice group of supportive people but then those odd couple of people that always make you feel bad because the bad people and the bad opinions and the bad voices are always the ones that stick out the most they always stick out the most whether you want them to or not they will be the ones that you remember so you just need to minimize the impact that they have or basically just minimize the the space they you give them in your head um because then again they will because they're in your head you will be thinking about them and you won't give your full attention and your full everything to your horse or to the dream basically and you will start believing the things they say and then you will get inside your head and think oh well maybe they're right I don't know what I'm doing I'm not good enough oh, it's because I'm doing it all alone and it's not it's because it's none of those things it really isn't doing things alone and it's if anything it's much braver than if you've got a massive support group around you it is much much braver doing it all on your own and cutting those sort of people out it's much braver 
And then, in a sense, other people that say they will help or the the sort of people that are really nice to you and tell you everything's great and you're doing amazing when you're upset because you're having a bad time and then it comes round to you being like, oh, this thing was really good and I really enjoyed this or we had a good day competing or this was good or that was good. They turn around and say, oh, well, are you sure it was good? It's not quite X, Y, Z yet though, is it? You don't need those sort of people either. Because those sort of people make you feel good when you feel bad and make you feel bad when you feel good. It's very, very two-faced. You don't need that sort of feeling. Because that just makes it hard as well. That makes doing things on your own hard. Because when you're having a really bad time and that person lifts you up, You think, oh, this is great. This is a really supportive person. I'm going to add them to my support network of people that I can call on or share things with. And then you're having a good time and they make you feel bad. And they're not the sort of support you need when you're doing things on your own. You need to get rid of those people as well or just don't let them have a voice. Or again, do the same you do with the people that are actively horrible. It's be like hey, why do you behave like this? Because you just need to. I've done... I've sort of either minimised interacting with certain people on sort of certain subjects because they make me feel like going about horses and the dream and equestrianism alone is a really, really bad thing. When, like I said before, it's not a bad thing. It's a very brave thing. So, yeah, I just I just get rid of those people or don't give them the time that they want or the conversation that they want. Because when you start not giving them that sort of power, your relationship with them will change as well. And this is another big one, I find, that... This sort of leads on from the unsupportive or unable to support. Um, Competing is really hard when you are a lone equestrian. I'm really, really fortunate that one of the girls that's on my yard is also a dressage rider. And I'm unbelievably lucky that when she goes out to shows her parents are more than happy to take me along with them which is just it's just amazing because without them I wouldn't be able to compete as half as much as I do because I don't have my own transport I can't afford my own transport it's really really expensive um my Mum is not horsey, so hiring transport and getting her to drive it or going out for a whole day and having her come along with me, it's really nice that she's she's happy to do that on occasion, but because it's not her thing, it's really, really hard for her to spend an entire day with horses, spend a whole day doing horses, 
because it's not her thing, which is fine because I wouldn't want to spend a whole day at cricket because it's not my thing. So, yeah, but competing's hard. I'm really lucky that I have support from my friend's parents that they're happy to take me places when they take her places and... Yeah, because like I say, without them, I wouldn't get to go to the the amount of competitions I get to go to. And we wouldn't be where we are and getting the places we want to go without. And yeah, I can't imagine what it would be like if I didn't have that opportunity. And I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, Obviously... I can't rely on lifts from other people forever because you just can't, because it's not fair. It doesn't matter if you pay them or you don't pay them or whatever. You can't rely on lifts from other people forever. So I'm just being active about that and looking to change my situation when it comes to not having any transport that's something I'm really looking into and trying really hard with building up is the finances to buy a small lorry because obviously I can drive one of those. So, <coughs> but again, then there will come, even if I buy my own lorry, I'm able to take myself to shows, which is amazing I will then be going to shows alone I've never been to a show alone the first time I do that will be really really scary I know a lot of people go to shows alone it's very very common to go to a show alone but I've never done it I don't think I'd like to do it um yeah so that's another big doing things alone thing It's the people that go to shows on their own. I obviously can't talk about what that's like because I've never done it. But, man, I can't even imagine what it must be like. I think that must be quite a big thing for people that do go to shows alone. Um, That is a big, big thing. Well, it would be for me, anyway. Um, Yeah, well... I think I think I may well have spoken about everything that I'd wanted to speak about. But, like I say, I feel like I have gone off on a bit of a tangent here. But doing things alone is really, really hard. Um, unbelievably hard, in fact. But the things that I have found that have helped me the most with going after the dressage dream alone is if you can really really fine tune your budget and make sure that any I don't like don't like to use the word spare um, any other money that you have after fine tuning your budget should go on training 
rather than anything else, whether it is lessons with somebody, clinics, or even going to open days and demos and stuff. So I am a big one for going to demos and open days and things. Uh, was it last month? Or was it this month? I can't remember. Um, I went to Olivia Towers open day. That was amazing. It was a really, really interesting. Really had some amazing insights. And she's doing another one in October, I believe, which I also plan on going to. I will probably be going to that on my own as well. But I think, yeah, any fine-tuning you can do to your budget to get some money to have some form of additional training, whether it's open days, clinics, demos, lessons, whatever it is, being able to get additional training from other people is really, really, really beneficial really beneficial trying to make sure that you've got the most supportive network of people around you as you possibly can whether it's your other liveries on your yard like I've got some of my yard owner is absolutely lovely she's really really nice she's so helpful and there's such a lovely group of people and such a lovely group of girls really on our yard Everyone's really, really nice. I'm so fortunate to have that group and be surrounded by that group of people every day because they're so supportive. They're some of the kindest, nicest people I know. And sort of goes hand in hand with that. The unsupportive, negative ninnies just need to get rid of them. Either don't talk to them or tell them how you feel and if they carry on behaving the way they behave... Explain to them, look, sorry, I've told you how I feel. You are not taking my feelings into account when you're behaving the way you do. So I can't talk to you. I can't be with you anymore. Or steer clear of the subjects that make them be unpleasant towards you if they're not somebody that you can cut out of your life. And... Time. Try and manage your time as effectively as possible. There is no greater saviour in the equestrian world than managing your time as effectively as you possibly can and fine-tuning that as much as you can. Try and get things done as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible and everything will be so, so much easier. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode today. Um, I feel like it did go off on a little bit of a tangent in the middle there, but some of the stuff that I was talking about and some of the things that came up were really important. Um, I hope you've liked this. Um, I hope I've helped someone by sharing what I'm talking about or even if it's just so you can go ah that's like me or that happens to me or whatever I'm really really pleased about that um you can let me know how you feel about the podcasts or where you want them to go if you leave a review and a um 
rating. That'd be really, really useful. And you can also find me over on Instagram at Denby North Dressage. And it is the same on Facebook. So that is also Denby North Dressage. I do have a Twitter, but I don't use that very much. And the website is coming. I am building my website. I've got a couple of things that just need some fine tuning, but that is also definitely coming. So you will have various different platforms you contact me on if you want to contact me tell me what you'd like me to talk about or how you feel about the podcast i'm really excited to record the next one i'll see you all next time 